We're going to see from the scriptures how God is going to help us navigate these stormy seas in our lives with so many attacks. Sometimes multiple attacks, flaming arrows, because the devil knows he can't take you down with one. Hallelujah. There's growth. There's more strength. So he has to rev up his resources. But you know what? God says no matter what he does, he'll still lose. You win. Hallelujah. Because I've given you such a shield of faith if you believe my word. So today we're going to look at the word of God and say, Lord, I'm going to draw from you how to be a good candidate where your light can come in freely with no opposing forces from me in my life to stop it and to diminish it. I don't want it anymore. In 2024, Lord, I'm all for you. Hallelujah. All for Jesus. In fact, this year I'm looking to do one thing primarily, to draw near to him so that his glory light can shine into me. And when I speak or sing or even just be somewhere, just my presence, I have nothing to boast of. I can't do anything to bring life. None of us can. But when God's spirit, the resurrection life is in you, the dead are going to come to life. Hallelujah! That is the gospel. When the power of God gets into you, it's bound to produce life. That's God's word. How can God be in you with his full presence and death is still around? It's impossible. As I said, the devil may may ramp up his forces, set a siege and try all these things, but in proportion, God will increase you more and more. We're going to see. Not only on the tumultuous seas, but on the racetrack and in the air. God is going to show you how you can be safe in the will of God. That's the only safety zone. You cannot be safe anywhere else. Only in the will of God do you have safety, security, and stability. Once that's established, God is going to show you how you can soar in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let's pray before we hear the word. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, blessed Lord. I pray from your heart, from your mouth, Lord, through your servant, Lord. What do you want to convey further? Let it be for your church. They may receive by the Spirit, by faith. May the Spirit of God do a supernatural work, even as they hear the word, in the exact application in their lives, in their circumstances. Father, I give this word into your hands, and I trust you to do your work, because we're here to see you perform wonders. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For giving us a glorious Father. A few days in your presence already. Hallelujah. Give him glory for what he's done. Are you thankful? Are you thankful to God? Only because of him we've had so much in the past few days. Even though the devil attacked mercilessly. God's power has been shutting him down everywhere. Hallelujah. Wherever he rises up, God says, step on him. Keep going. Hallelujah. Through his power. Through his word. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, I pray that you minister to me. And to the people of God. All of us. Holy One of Israel. The one who said, before I formed you. Your mother's womb. I knew you. God has called you to become a bright light to dispel the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. That's my passion. That's my heart's desire. Even when I was working in the secular world, my heart's desire was, Lord, nothing matters because I see people starting the job and they have 25, 30 years ahead of them. I see people at midpoint. They have maybe another 10, 15 years. I see people at the end point. They're so elated and so filled with joy. I'm about to retire. I'm going to get all my benefits. I'm going to live large. And 
Many of them don't even make it after a few weeks or a few years. A few months actually. I've heard plenty of times. They build up and build up. They think, if I can just amass everything and set things in place with the wisdom of the world, I have got it made. It's a tragedy. I've seen people who actually have retired. God used to bring this to me all the time because I knew I'm not exempt from that. Command of God to put him first and see with his eyes, what are you doing? The main reason you go to work is not to feed your family. God takes care of that through you. But it's to be a light where you are. People must come to know Jesus. And those Christians who are struggling because they're in false doctrine or they're being beat up by the devil, they don't know how to stand on their feet to fight against the devil. We need to have a word and season. How can you? Do you believe God will do that for you? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be anything. You just need to be near to God. Hallelujah. If you're near to his heart, he will speak to you. He will give you a word and season. You'll know the difference. You'll know. You know, I try to help these people and I try to think of what to say. But then I got so close to God that the word just came out and it was a precise word that set them free. Do you want that in 2024? That is my heart's desire. Has been. God has been coming through. God wants to do that for this church. It's not just about the building and the land and how we can get together and have more people and rejoice in God. Remember, God saved us so that we can be bright lights in the darkness and bring people out. That's the ultimate mission, actually. But we're on the way to heaven to bring others with us. May that be the passion. Father, I thank you for your word that you have first, Lord. Bless us, Father, by your spirit made land in all the right places in our hearts. In our minds, our emotions, our wills, Lord, may there be a radical change today. As we continue in your holy presence, I love you, we praise you, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Please be seated. Praise be to the Lord, praise be to God. Let's go to the book of Acts, the book of Acts in chapter 27. And Paul was on a a ship. And there was a great opposition for him and the people on the, on board. I'm going to read from verse 1. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. i read it again. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. You'll hear his name later in the epistles too. Everything is here for a reason. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramitium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. The next day when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. It's the hand of God upon Paul. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. Can you see your life? Strong headwinds against your life to make it difficult to stay on course. These vector forces that I mentioned before, the magnitude and the direction just coming directly against your sailing. You're soaring with God. See how God overcame this through Paul. Paul 
uh, putting out to sea, verse 4, from there we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. Keeping the ship stable. Going in the direction. We're going to see what they ended up doing to make sure it has some stability. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia or Lycia. There the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy and he put us on board. So far, God's will is being accomplished. Paul has to go to Rome to testify. He said, you're going to go and appear before Caesar, right? God's going to do a work there in Rome. And Paul is not fearing death. He's not fearing anything. He's a fearless man. All he knows is I'm on point with God's schedule. And my crowning day is coming. And I'm going to be faithful to the very end to proclaim his light. It says here in verse 7, We had several days of slow sailing. Picture your spiritual life. Days when you feel bogged down. You don't seem to make progress. And even seem to come to a standstill. There are reasons for that. And after great difficulty, we finally neared Sinidius. But the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete. And along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmoni or Salmon. We struggled. See the words here? The Holy Spirit has recorded in parallel to our lives the various things that have happened to us in our Christian walk. We want to please God, but something keeps impeding our progress. And you see that here in the very physical voyage of the Apostle Paul and the people on board. He's en route to fulfilling God's ultimate will for him. But en route, he's facing strong headwinds, winds contrary to us, and more problems are going to come. We're going to see how God overcame all those things for Paul. God's eyes were not on the 275 other people on that vessel. It was on Paul. When God's eyes are on you, no matter what situation you go through, how tumultuous the winds and the waves, because his eyes are upon you, he will not only get you to safe harbor or safe landing, he'll have mercy on those around you who listen to your word from God. Paul was a bright light in a very dismal, dark situation where lives were threatened by the forces of nature. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty, verse 8, and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. What a telling sentence. How many of you have lost a lot of time in your spiritual walk? Not everyone, but there are those who can confess that, yeah, I should have made progress. But there are pockets of dullness and I wasn't in step with God. You know, on the road to Emmaus, the living Christ, the resurrected Christ, all of a sudden appeared. And those two disciples were informing him, so they thought of the current events about him. And he pretended not to know. But when he opened the scriptures to them, before he broke bread and disappeared, they said that our hearts were burning because these are the scriptures. He's quoting from the prophets and Moses. and We know this, but when he speaks... 
There's a burning happening. And they asked one another, did you feel that burning? And the Lord had to say, how come you're slow to understand these things? They had lost some time. God wants us to be stable, secure, and sore in 2024. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Enter the word of God for the solution, for the greater problems that are going to come. When your heads are rested on the chest of Jesus, you can hear his heartbeat. You say, Lord, my real passion is not what I can gain from you, for me to set myself and my family uh, for more prosperity. But I want to be a light, Lord, so that your kingdom can come. That's what we say. Your kingdom is the all-important thing. Jesus preached the kingdom to people. This righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I want to speak your word of life. I need that word. Paul began to speak. We're going to see how he spoke God's word. Then an angel appeared to him. God was using him to intercept the death and destruction that Satan had in mind for all of them, especially Paul. Satan didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. Satan didn't want Paul to go to Rome because people are going to get saved. On our journey, as we walk with the Lord, people are bound to get saved through your life because there is no one light that God imparts his light into, saves, that can ever keep to a corner and not produce light. The only way is if we ourselves hinder that light. Paul was a man who had no darkness, period. How do I know this? Is it explicitly or expressly stated in scripture? No. Not in those terms at least. But the man kept going, not trekking, saying, you know, when the going gets rough, the tough get going. Not just that. He was full of joy. He burst out while he's in tribulation. He was on another planet, another level. Though he was on earth, the man was sorry. But he was stable. And that's why God taught him how to soar. And here's a case in point where in the midst of chaos, can you imagine if you're on a ship, they start frantically, grab this, grab that. What are you going to do? Captain, we're going to die. Look, wind's over there and the wave's over here. We are doomed. Experienced seamen. The captain, experienced sailors. They know we're done. Meanwhile, there's one fellow on board who's hearing directly from God. Wouldn't you like to hear from God like that? When all chaos is happening, Lord, but what do you say? What do you say? I know you speak, but why are you not speaking to me, Lord? Why am I having a hard time hearing you, Lord? Lord, I need to hear you so that you can use me to save other people. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. That's the beginning of the communication of who? Not Paul. God Almighty. He had confidence in God. He knew who he was in God. And the Spirit of God began to speak to Paul to convey to the people on board, are you going to be with God's plan? Because if you do, nobody's going to die. But if you don't, I'm telling you for certain, we're going to crash. Men, he said, verse 10, 
I believe there is trouble ahead. If we go on. Shipwreck. Loss of cargo. And danger to our lives as well. But the officer, I want you to underline verse 11. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Big mistake. You see, because they couldn't see that this is not just an ordinary man, a Roman citizen and a Jew, and he's just making a voyage. I don't know what he has in Rome, and he's a prisoner and all this stuff. All I know is I'm transporting this fellow. He's one among 276 of us. They failed to understand that this is a holy man of God and he's hearing something from God to save our lives. They should have listened to him, but they didn't. See, they went through that natural, that natural, who's going to speak that seemed to have expertise. And But God transcends that. Very often he'll show us when all expertise, quote unquote, fails, God shows up. Amen? When all human help fails, God's power shows up. Verse 12, and since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. See, there's a navigation happening here. In your family, in your life, we have to make decisions, choices. We have to understand, okay, so I have this before me today, this week, next week, next month. What is God's will? That's what I want to know. How many of us have that kind of attitude? That's my attitude. I want to know what is, I know what I'd like to do and what people are saying and every, but ultimately, I, I need to know what God's will is because that's the only safety zone for me. That's the only place where I have stability and I'll be able to soar with Him. And since they decided not to spend the winter there, they went to Phoenix. It was a good harbor with only uh, southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. And, uh, human confidence. But the, so they pulled the, pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. How things can change abruptly in our lives. One minute we're filled with joy and peace and rejoicing and then suddenly a catastrophe strikes and everything is at a standstill. We may be fearing for our very lives. At that moment of truth, that those who really know their God will receive a solution. Hallelujah. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted abroad, aboard the lifeboat being toward behind us, towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. God is giving this word to us today. Imagine in that situation. Things keep changing. More and more trouble. But the man, the Apostle Paul, is stable. He's anchored in a supernatural way. And nothing can shake him. You don't hear one ounce of fear. He's just reporting the truth. This is what God said. This is what the angel of the Lord told me. Do what I tell you, everything's going to be okay, even in the storm, even if there's contrary forces coming against us. You're going to make it. We're going to make it. But they failed. 
to listen initially. It says here, then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Syracuse off the African coast. Real places. A real historical event. So they lower the sea anchor. You see what they're doing there? Using all of their expertise and all the things they can, you know, what is option A? Option B. Okay, quick, you grab that. I'm going to grab this and you guys do this. And what do we have on, on board? What do we need? There's a scrambling every time. Meanwhile, Paul is just, he has a revelation from God. He has a revelation from God that Paul's going to make it safely. So he already knows I'm going to make it. But these guys, because I'm shining the light, I love them. I don't want them to perish. God uses them tremendously here. That's a picture of your life and my life. Do you care about God's will for you? How much do you care about God's perfect will for you? And also God's protection and safety out of your mercy and love like God has for people around you. It should never be that self kind of protection, self-interest. Me, myself and I and my family. It should always be, Lord, you're, you're, you're putting me in the places in this world where things are coming against People, I want you to use my life to save people. And it says here, verse 18, The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. And these are precious things. Why? Because money is involved. They have a responsibility. But they knew, right now, our lives can be in jeopardy. We need to lighten the load. We need to lighten the load. In our lives, the things that are Weights and sins. We need to say, away with you. I hate anything that will hinder me. I lay it aside. God's perfect will. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear. It's getting critical. And did what? Threw it overboard. Their hope is, of course, that it won't sink. The terrible storm raged for many Days. Imagine being caught out there. No sophisticated technology. You have human souls around you. They're in great fear because they know what is going to happen in the natural. But there's a man on board with the spirit of the living God and he's got a solution. But not before several things happen. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until At last, all hope was gone. I want you to underline verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. The word of God comes at the exact time that we need it. If we look to God, we love Him, we fear Him, and He will help us to avert damage and loss, disaster. This was God's man. He just uttered simple words. He said, we should do this, not that. And they said, let's listen to the captain and the owner of the ship. They know what they're talking about. This man doesn't even know. He's just a passenger. They fail to recognize, but this man has the spirit of the living God. And he was so together. He was stable. Couldn't they see that he didn't have fear? He really didn't. But they bypassed that because they're so frantically looking for the natural solution. 
God wants to give a supernatural solution. Which is supernatural because it's coming from Him. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives. Verse 22. Even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more? God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. You see how God can bless people through you? Because you're there, He will give them those benefits too. So they can see what? Like during Jonah's time, when they began to be so terrified, and every man started calling upon his own God, and then Jonah told them, no, I'm serving the living God, and this is what happened because I'm not obedient. Thank God, Paul was not a, another Jonah. At that point anyway, Jonah came back, thankfully. But the solution came from God. That's the point. God will show us, and He'll have mercy on those around us, so that they may do what? Like the people in Jonah's ship, begin to understand this is the living God. His God is the real God. And His God transcends culture, climate, and everything. He's God. And there will be people, when God delivers you from your predicament, from your trouble, from your trial, they will take courage at the goodness of your God and say, how can I know Him too? Amen? And they may come to God for a solution for some temporal material situation. But through that, God can be tugging at their heart, bringing them close to Him so they can have salvation. See, this is the way the Spirit of God works. And this is what the angel said. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, that's what Paul said, I heard this from God, from His angel. Take courage. I believe God. I know what's happening in front of us. I'm not denying it, but there's a greater reality. It's the word of God. God has given me his word. He's the ruler of the heavens and the earth. I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. You see the consequences? We can rejoice. Sometimes we can say, you know, thank God that that major disaster didn't strike. We're home free. We have some losses here and there, but what's that compared to the major disaster that could have happened? Oh, you know, in retrospect and assessing the whole situation, I have to be thankful to God for that. Yes. But that shouldn't preclude our desire to do, as Paul said, listen to him and you won't suffer any damage or any loss. How many of us want that in 2024? No damage, no loss. Hallelujah. Only gain from heaven. And blessings from God to bless many people through you. But we will all be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm. Pretty long time. Especially when you don't see any light. Can you imagine that? Imagine if the lights just went out here. And, but the building starts to rock. And you hear howling winds and things smashed. And I mean, we're human beings. Our stability normally, naturally is on ground. Where our feet can contact something that's hopefully stable. But when we're in an unstable place, even in an airplane, when the turbulence comes, and it's the kind of turbulence that is something greater than you ever experienced, uh, on that slippery road uh, in your vehicle, it's a greater slippage or a slippery place than you ever experienced before. It's just totally out of control. We begin to scramble. But Paul was not scrambling. Paul was led by the Spirit of God. He was not afraid. 
14th night of the storm, verse 27. As we were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks, as expected, along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Now they tried another plan and Paul said, don't do it. God will come and test your humility, test your obedience. When he comes with a solution and direction that go counter to everything you feel. And that's when you can feel the flesh maybe rise up and begin to feel that, you know, I'm being shown up here, that I'm not smart. God said, until we crush those things, we will never be able to get God's solution effected in our lives. And have that stability where God can know, when I speak to this child of mine, just obey, that's all. That's how Paul was. That's why God can reveal to him how to soar. Then, the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. Underline this verse, verse 31. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. What is he talking about? This is the only way to even have a, any chance of survival. But he's telling us contrary. But it's the word of God. Through man who's being led by the spirit of God. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Underline verses 33 to 36 also. Just as the day was dawning, because these instances are when God speaks. It's important in our lives, in our struggles, in our journey. We need to have those ears, spiritual ears, to know, oh, this is God speaking. It takes priority. Amen? This is God speaking. That's what I pay attention to. I may have tried many things and I have plenty of people trying to help me, but when God speaks, everything's over. That's what I do. And I'm going to see the glory of God in my life. These instances that you underlined, where you see when God gives direction, even to the point of the fact that they should eat. How God cares. God cares that the people should eat. Not be afraid. They were supposed to, all 275 passengers, affix themselves to this one individual, Paul the Apostle, because he's the one through whom God was working. And in that process, God was concerned about their stomachs too. Isn't God so good? How many of us have seen when God not only provided for a a great deliverance, but you see the goodness of God, that even the things that we didn't ask for, God brings it to us. I say, thank you, Lord. I know you care, not only because you delivered me from that disaster, but Lord, you care for my creaturely needs too. And you're so good, you want to surprise me, Lord. Oh, he's so beautiful. God is so good. He says... Paul urged everyone, you have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. He said, please, eat something now for your own good. For not a hair of your heads will perish. Wow. Who is this man? How does he know that in this disaster zone, when anybody can die, everybody will die. He's speaking something so irrational. Maybe even boastful. Maybe he thinks his God is better than our gods. Maybe those thoughts ran through their mind. But eventually they listened. Praise God for that. Because they saw when he didn't, when they didn't listen, 
Paul came back and said, I told you. They began to see, this is not just a man over here, this is an anointed man of God. And God, his God is the one who's actually in charge. He's the real God and he's helping us. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. Look at the opportunity. Hey, eat something. Two weeks, you're starving. You're going to faint. Okay, here's a loaf of bread. You, you, and you. Everybody gets a piece. Let's just eat. You need to get that food into your system. The carbohydrates need to break down. You need to get that ATP going, the energy sources, and you got to shoot to the brain so you can not faint. No, he followed God where the priority was, I'm going to demonstrate. It's not me. It's God. I'm going to give thanks as I break the bread. Let your light so shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us, including Paul, who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of the wheat overboard, the food. It became so critical that this expensive commodity that is for the sustenance is now being thrown overboard. Very critical now. But you know, the aim is they wanted to survive. We need to know how to survive in this world when all of hell breaks loose coming against our faith. We need to know how to become stable, have our anchors in the promises of God and do exactly what he says, know when he speaks and then boom, go right to it and do what he says. And have a precedent set in our lives that I walk with God like that. Then God will see that faithfulness and he'll begin to help you take off from that ground level. You begin to soar, just like it says in Isaiah 40, 31. Mounted with wings like eagles. Spiritually, you will go to greater heights and you will conquer more for God. You can accomplish certain things on the ground level, right? In infantry, ground troops, but a lot more from the aerial view. You can drop something from there that can cover so many acres and kilometers and miles against the enemy. We need that spiritual altitude. We're seeing in the life of Paul, in this very real historical event. It wasn't just chapter 27 Acts. So Paul sailed from this place to Crete and they had some difficulty, but thank God they made it safely. They ended up in Rome. Now God went detail by detail, location after location, the climate, the forces that are against them, how the apostle Paul navigated through all of that spiritually. Amen? Spiritually. It wasn't just physically telling them what to do. There's a spiritual navigation that we need to get from God to be led by the Spirit of God. And that's how he was safe and they were safe. Do you realize the power God has given us? The access to the knowledge of God and the Word of God in season to defeat the enemy because, you know, behind those contrary forces, behind the wind and the gale force, all those vector forces coming against with that magnitude, with that direction, bent on what? Making all hell break loose against the ship and the passengers, primarily Paul. Where did they come from? Satan. He riled everything up. He was in a frenzy. I'm going to kill this man. Now, I don't care if everybody else died. I'm just going to do mass destruction because he's on his way to Rome. I don't know what God's going to do there. But the man 
is receiving from God. Because he was a man who was used to walking with God. When we use that phrase, walking with God, a lot of times we can use it glibly. We can use it without understanding, but we heard yesterday very clearly from the Spirit of God. Enoch walked with God, and in Hebrews 11 we saw the explanation even further. That it was by faith. How do we know? Because he had a testimony before God that he pleased God before he was suddenly raptured. Before he was caught up, the man was soaring because he pleased God. Always remember this. To walk with God equals pleasing God. Walking with God is just, I know Jesus, he's my only God, he died on the cross and I'm going to walk, you know, whatever path he has for me. No, walking with God means Whatever he says to me, I'm, I'm listening. Every day I'm listening to him. Father, I want to know what your will is today. I know I have to go to work, I have to do this, but what is your purpose today? Oh, at the end of the day, I may have done a good job at work, for your glory, praise God. I may have um, helped people, praise God. But at the end of the day, what's the difference between me and the other people who also do a good job at work and help other people? I must be carrying the glory light Something of God beams through me. People are arrested, even if they don't say anything to you. There's a work going on. And they observe. Our delight is to do His will. God will begin to shine that light. And you will have people come to you when they go through their crisis because they've seen what? The stability in you. They've seen the supernatural hearing that you have from God. And you will not stand up and put yourself on a pedestal to begin to order people, but you'll be humble like Paul and say, men, brethren, friends, that's what God's showing me. He wants to save you. He wants to bless you. He wants to remove all the storms from your life. Help you go through it. He wants to bring you safely to Him. They began to throw even the wheat. When morning dawned, verse 39, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward the shore, toward shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed. Can you imagine the shaking that was going on there? By the force of the waves and began to break apart. Oh boy, we, we didn't listen to God all this time and now we finally listen to Paul. Look at this. Our God is testing. Would you still believe me? We turn that problem time in our lives, crisis, into petition, but also praise. We need to trust God. It takes faith to praise God in the midst of this situation. Underline verses 42 to 44, the final verses. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners. My God, what's happening now? We had a problem with the storm. And the vessel about to fall apart. We were at the mercy of nature. Now, this guy's going to kill us? I mean, how much more drastic and dreadful can it be? You're trying to escape narrowly over here. Now you have a knife coming at you. The prisoners, to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. All these forces in our lives. Satan just, he just went into that guy. That uh, soldier. Soldiers and they said, you know what? The best solution is to kill these guys. They didn't understand we would not be alive 
except for the goodness of God, Paul's God. Don't you think he has a solution over here too? Beloved, when we are pressed and we're pushed to the point of absolute emptiness where we don't know what the next move is going to be because now all hell has broken loose. This is a trial. It's wearing down on me. We start feeling that. We feel, Lord, how much worse can it get? I mean, can we just stop right here because I don't know if I can take any more. Remember, God loves you more than you know a lot of times. He's the one who knows the end from the beginning. And if he's allowed you to be in the storm and all of these vector forces spiritually are coming against you from hell, the magnitude is increasing, the direction is more pointed to you, God says, I still have a solution. Do you believe me? He may not show it immediately, but he wants to let our faith develop. In 2024, we need to take ourselves in hand and say, Lord, I choose to trust you no matter what. I choose to trust in your goodness no matter what. And Lord, I want my faith to be expressed. And how is faith expressed when things are against you? Praising God. Believing that he has a solution. Yes, even in this dire situation. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners that included Paul. But somebody had mercy on Paul. God came and he actually tapped the guys who had the guns and ammo. Paul was, no weapons. Instantly they could have killed him. God tapped and said, you don't touch that man. And it put it, God put it into their hearts. See how God is over everything. They didn't want to kill him. They wanted to spare him. And again, because of the light in Paul, so many people were spared. You know, it's written by David in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts it says, David fell asleep after he served his own generation. The love of God. The early churches to whom Paul wrote by the Holy Spirit. Many times you see him commending them for two things. Over and over again. You know what they are? Your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the people of God. Your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love. He says, I'm watching it grow. It's not that, oh, I have faith now and I have love. He said, I'm witnessing the work of the Holy Spirit. There is a uh, spiritual buoyancy lifting you up out of the water and you're beginning to soar. He said, I'm so excited, Thessalonians. I'm so excited. Philippians, my soul is giving thanks to God. In Ephesians, he says, God is my witness. Basically, he says that. Day and night I remember you and I'm thankful to God for you. We are the church of God and God is looking to us to lay hold of more faith, trusting God and more love toward the people of God. It's another sermon series in itself. What constitutes genuine faith after you come to faith? What constitutes genuine love after you've received the love of God and felt that change? But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. So I didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could jump overboard first and make for land. Look at the change. How in the nick of time, when we think, I don't have much time. And you know how you feel pressured? You know what you'll do when you feel pressured? You begin to become irritable. And you start saying, hey, maybe to your loved one, what are you doing? We don't have much time. Do this, do that. And you're going to cause loss for us. And that franticness can come as believers. We need to stop and say, wait a minute. The first person that should be peaceful and listening to what God says to do should be me. Let me show by my faith in God in this situation and my love, my patience. Even when 
an urging happens because of uh, we're pressed for time, or the situation is so calamitous and it's so deadly, still, look at how Paul handled it. Why did God put it? Paul himself wrote, all those things in the Old Testament, all those 39 books, were written for an example for us. Why? Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, we can imitate those people who actually showed by their lives a, a triumphant faith and they finished well and they received their reward. Hallelujah. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promises. Now, when I see this, I have to say, Lord, I'm part of this. I can't afford to just sit down and not understand. There is a trajectory. There's a vector force from heaven pushing me with supernatural force and a direction to go up. To glorify God. I'm not going to be ignorant of these things. Why should I be? If God has given exactly what I need to do. I'm going to take hold of this. Paul was composed because he had trust in God. Can we be like Paul? He was a giant in the faith for sure. There's nothing wrong written about him. Paul was on course. Can you be like Paul as he was like Jesus? Yes. Do you have a desire? Do you have a desire? If there's one thing that the Spirit of God wants to impart into you, that He's imparted into me and continues to, is a, a, a strong desire to want to do God's will every day. I want to please my Father. I love Him. His love is more powerful than anything. I'm, I'm, I'm knowing that. I'm getting closer to Him. I want even more so that I can become very, very much a light in this world to a greater degree. As we finish this here, the others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Hallelujah. How God effected that plan. You see at all these different junctures, Satan riled up his forces, he began to work through people and say, we should do it this way. But God says something totally contrary, even irrational. And it took a couple of times for Paul to come back and say, I told you what God showed me. You should have listened. Otherwise, if you did, we wouldn't have had all this damage and loss. 2023, 2022, 2021, and all the past years from the day you're born, especially from the day you got saved, you most likely incurred damage and loss as you began to learn how to hear from God and how to listen to the servant of God. It seems to be contrary. But there's a humility. And you know what? You can say, I, I choose and I make up my mind in 2024 to listen to the voice of God and to the servants of God and when that time comes where the word just does come from God contrary to what you thought, that's the time in which we can begin to squirm because it goes against our pride. That is the exact moment at which, even though you may feel pride or you may feel like this doesn't make any sense, you actively shut it down. In other words... When the servant of God is given a word from God to you and God keeps speaking and you keep looking at your watch, we need to know it's God who's speaking. 
that's the point at which you take yourself in hand and say, stop it. And you put the hands down. And you begin to listen. God will be well pleased with you. You see, the, the test is not a problem. It's the response that can be the problem or the solution for your life. That's just an example. When God speaks, we, we get to a mode where not only did I write it in my journal and I prayed over it and said, God, I never ever want to disobey you, Lord. I really want to do your will. Lord, I don't want to miss your voice, Lord. I see disaster and damage in my life. By your mercy, I'm alive by a hair breath. Barely escaped disaster, Lord. Thank you, God. And now I have come to that point that I just want to do your will every day. When the test comes, that's when to bring that commitment to practice. When you feel like moving, you shut yourself down and tell your body, stop it right now. God is speaking, I'm going to hear. Because God already knows everything in our lives. We need to trust God. We need to say, Lord, you know everything. I just want to know one thing. What is your will for me right now? And if you're speaking, I'm all ears, Lord. Let's go very quickly to Hebrews chapter 12. It goes with this. We're going to finish in just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a, a voyage on sea, but this is a race. And then we'll go very quickly to Isaiah 40, 31. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of those people who made it victoriously, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. Remember the ship? They began to do what? Throw the cargo. Some of that machinery. The wheat. Why? As it become, became more and more critical that their lives are in jeopardy, they said, forget everything, we just want to survive. That should be the first thing, as the Holy Spirit has recorded here very clearly in the Bible, the New Testament. First of all, we need to know how to survive in this world. And that's speaking of how we need to keep ourselves from the snares of the devil, because if we fall into them, we may not make it out alive. That's the truth. So we need to be on guard and not coast thinking that I'm saved, I'm born again, therefore I don't need to be careful, God will make up for me. And No, he says you walk carefully. You make sure you don't harden your heart. You gather together with the assembling of saints. Don't forsake the assembling like some people do. Because the devil knows when you assemble together with the people of God, with the Spirit of God is working, God is preparing you more and more to help you soar. And if that input is not there, the presence of God is not there, the devil will take you down. It'll be, you know, it'll be back and forth. You know, I was up when I was there and then I went down. But if you stay in the presence of God, you never have to go down. Amen? Never have to go down. So God is showing us the tools and how the enemy operates. Keep yourself in the presence of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, ship, get rid of this stuff. In a race, in a foot race, you don't carry unnecessary burdens. And he speaks of not only Every weight that slows us down, but especially the sin. Sin. We need to take that very carefully to heart. Because sins are things that are absolutely a no-no. It'll produce death. The wages of sin is death. If I choose to be bitter, it's going to produce death. It will produce death. If I choose to be unforgiving, it'll produce death. If I choose to think of myself more highly than I ought to think, it'll produce death. For every carnal and selfish ambition is not from the Spirit. It's work of the flesh. 
But if that's there, all kinds of evil will be there. Very easy for an unclean spirit to come on too. Greedy spirit, average spirit. All kinds of stuff can come flooding in because you open the door for the devil in one little place, he'll come, bang open the other ones. So the first order is, like that ship, they were concerned about survival. And essentially, that's what Paul told them. I'm going to show you how to survive. And it requires us to understand that there are sins in my life, if there are, doesn't have to be, uh, presumptuous sins that I don't want, but I find myself going to it again and again. Lord, I want this out of my life. I don't feel free. God says, you lay it aside. In other words, if the desire for me is so strong to do my will and you love me, you have what it takes by the Spirit of God to shut down that sin. Amen? doesn't matter what it is. Whether it's immorality, whether it's doubting, whether it's grumbling, complaining, it has no power over you. It really doesn't. If you believe God's word that I can shut this down. Then it says, before that, about that weight. In other words, things that are perhaps not sinful in and of themselves, but they are positive, and that word positive, I'm using it in a negative way actually, positive hindrances to our forward momentum with God. You cannot, an airplane cannot overcome those vector forces of gravity and the atmosphere unless it has a greater force, right? So it needs to actually be prepared. There needs to be a a measure of stability in that aircraft. If it's not together, it's going to break apart before it ever gets to the clouds. So the anchor for me to be able to run, be sure-footed when I run, not slipping and falling all over the place, is to first of all, ditch sin forever. Say, sin has no place in my life. Whatever God said is rebellion, it's out of my life. Hallelujah. Don't that I don't have sin. Take an inventory. You'll be surprised. God may show you. Not necessarily, but there may be. And that's how you survive. Now, if you want to thrive, if you want to take off and run so fast that you begin to soar, actually, supernaturally, like it says in Isaiah 40, 31, you need to also be mindful of those culprits that come that may not be sinful. They're permitted, but not beneficial. They're not profitable. Somehow, these things just come and rob my time. Not only that, I'll tell you something. It's not only the time. The devil introduces thoughts and not even necessarily sinful in terms of gross sin. Just a distraction. Just another thing to preoccupy me. And what happens as a consequence? My prayer life loses the firepower. Faith is not there like it should be because I open my mind to the current events. I began so idgity and fidgety. What's the weather? What's this? Step back and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. If you want me to, I'll check the weather. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? Something so naturally simple that we do automatically if we go anywhere. You know, God begins to reveal our hearts that when I look at the weather, I say, oh, there's a storm. Guess what? Fears may come. I begin to get frantic. Oh, it's going to rain. But the question is, did God say he's with you? So I'm not giving priority to that. It takes a back seat to the will of God and his protection. Amen? It's a subtle thing sometimes, many times. That, oh, I'm just doing this for the good of my family, for me. But I'm so in that automated mode, if you will. You know, I'm the one, I got to check in, I have to do this. And within that, there's a measure of doubt and worry. 
Right there, God will show you if you're close to God. Stop. Don't even look at it. Trust me. Pray to me first. Lord, no matter the weather, if you want me to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. And then, you can check the weather. See? That's how you lay aside the cumbersome weight of worry and doubt and these calculations and it seems so plausible and reasonable and you know, you should be responsible and all those things. But is faith there at the top? That's the question. Now I can choose by an act of my will with the grace of God. I'm not worrying. I don't care what the weather is. What I want to know is what God's will is. Imagine if Paul saw this from the beginning. You know, just leaving Crete. We have hundreds of miles to Rome. And we know we're going to be where? In the open sea. Paul before he went on foot and he made little treks close to Asia Minor. You have land. This is wide open. You can die. But he was a man who knew the will of God. And with that, you can go through anything and be victorious. This is what it says here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially, there's another category, of sin. The sin that so easily trips us up. Notice this. When you're running, weight can slow you down, but you're not down. When you trip, you're going to get hurt. Sin is going to cause positive damage. So we need to know how to survive in the race. Get rid of sin. And then be mindful. What other things come to crowd my desires for God out or usurp that fervor that I need? And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. So did Paul. So did Paul. Jesus was and is the example. He knew the will of God. When he disregarded all the hardships, those offenses, threats on his life, the mocks, the mocking, the insults, the pulling of the beard and the crucifixion itself, so much coming at one time, all hell broke loose against him. But his eyes were upon the Father and the will of the Father. And that gave him great joy because he said, when I pass through this, I'm going to get what? A seat of honor. Hallelujah. What a great motivation for us. I'm going to go through whatever hardship comes my way, making sure it's not because of my sin and not because I've introduced some weight that is causing me to slow down or get bogged down. No, I'm in the perfect will of God. Yes, storms are coming. In the Adriatic Sea and, and by Crete, and the fair havens, and gale forces, and the guys want to kill me, and all hell is breaking loose. But I know one thing. God told me something, and my eyes are fixed upon the champion of my faith, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Nothing moved him. He set his face like a flint. Can you be like that? Wouldn't you want to be like that? When somebody says something mean to you, when somebody does something abruptly or mean to you, and as human beings, we don't like to be like that to other people. We wonder, why in the world would you do that? I want to tell you, sometimes we don't know what's happening with them too. They may not be feeling well. They may have a million things that are that, that's causing them to act without thinking. That's one thing. The other thing is, even if they did it on purpose, because... My eyes are upon my Savior. 
I also despise the ill treatment. I, I say, I'm not giving time to this. The devil wants me to reflect on it and get more and more upset and no, 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 no. No. God has forgiven me so many more greater offenses and he has told me to be filled with faith and filled with love. I'm a part of the body of Christ. That's how you disregard that shame. Somebody put you to shame? Despise it. So what? You know how shame controls people? When you're in school or, or on the job or in front of others, that sense of, I don't want to be put to shame, it makes you so trapped. You feel like you're walking with spears on every side because you need to conform to whatever is out there so they don't put you down. And you're careful to do what? Protect me. But Jesus didn't worry about that. Paul didn't worry about that. He simply did the will of God. 2024. We want to soar, but remember, how to be safe in the will of God and soar in the spirit in 2024. God has just broken this down for us. From the life of the very Apostle Paul in Acts 27 and in Hebrews 12. And from here, Isaiah 40, 31. Remember, the soaring doesn't have, even the eagle itself, whether it's a piece of machinery, aircraft, eagle itself, if it's weak, if it's not together, if it's going through a process where it's molting and all these things are happening, it's not fit to fly. There needs to be that stability. I'm together. The aircraft needs to be together. Together. The wing can't be halfway dangling over there and, and go full throttle. I need to be together so I can climb steadily. But those who trust, say this with me, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How? What kind of walk? Walk with God. You see? It's not a walk where, you know, I got hurt emotionally or physically and now I need to get my balance. You know, I need to be able to go to work. I, I need to do my schoolwork. I, I need to do the chores. I, I'm not together because I'm injured. I'm sick. And I'm going to claim this verse. Oh, they that trust in the Lord, they're going to soar. And you know what? God said, I'm going to walk and not faint. So God, you give power to the faint. Thank you, Lord. That's just the beginning. The real import of this is that in our spiritual walk, we will weather every storm. So help us God. And say, Lord, my eyes are fixed on you. You cannot fail. Your word cannot fail. And Lord, I'm going to walk no more. Those hands hanging limp. He, a feeble knees. He says, strengthen all of that. Make a straight path for the lame feet. Hallelujah. Trust in God. Trust in His promise. And then do life God's way. And in 2024, not only will you be safe and survive, you will soar and thrive. Shall we stand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. A couple of songs. Let the word of God, what He's spoken to you, you know what He's spoken to you. Say, Lord, you've broken it down, Lord. This is what I need to do, and I'm going to do it. 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 If I need to be held accountable, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm all for it. I don't want to die, and I don't want to have disaster or damage in my life anymore. God is speaking so clearly. You don't need to have not a bit of damage anymore. That's the thing of the past. No more loss in God's economy. You win and you gain every opportunity that Satan comes to assault us. We gain what? As we heard in the prophecies, ground. 
we gain ground. It's not just a defensive move. It's an offensive move. It starts out defensive, but it goes to the offensive. Amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? It not only starts with defensive, where I have the shield of faith, but you go after him with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You say, I'm taking back what is mine. Amen? I'm taking back the loss. I am deciding today to take God's Word to heart. Lord, I love you. And I know nothing will separate me from your love. I will look to you and trust you. Follow you faithfully. I want to survive this wicked world and all of hell's forces that are taking people down. Yeah, Christians, they're being taken down every day because they were not careful. They became complacent. But these people of God here who's, who've been hearing this word, God says, you don't need to be like that. I'm showing you how to walk wisely with your living God and you will soar with me in 2024. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord in song. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Jesus, you are enough for me. Hallelujah. You are. to God, look to Jesus himself and say, your grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are enough for me. You are enough. You are enough. Your grace Sufficient for me. Oh, for me, for me. When the waters rise above me, oh, yes, you cause your face to shine upon me, and I'll ride the tide that's over me through your grace that surrounds me. You, you're enough. You are, you're enough. You're enough. Yes, Lord. You, you are enough. Your grace is sufficient for me. You are Jesus. Enough. You're enough for me, Lord. You are Every situation enough. I face, Lord Jesus, your grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, Jesus. Around me, oh yes, and you should slay that right before me through your power that's within me. Hallelujah! You are enough, you are enough, your grace is sufficient for me. I believe you. You're enough. You're enough. Your grace is sufficient 
precious word oh thank you for giving us courage and strength lord into our souls we can not only survive and be safe this brand new year but we can lord soar high for you thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord we praise you i bless your name be with your people lord as they go with this word of god over their lives hallelujah in jesus name we thank you praise you amen may the lord bless you and keep you the Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and until we see the Lord Jesus face to face. Amen and amen. Praise God.